Peter Parker's friendship with Johnny Storm goes back to Amazing Spider-Man number one and continues to endure today. Over the decade, their frequent meeting place has been the Statue of Liberty. Do you know when this tradition between these two friends began? Stick around for the answer. It just might surprise you. Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years, and have never lost my passion for comic books, something I try to pass on to old and new readers. Hello, and welcome back to Fantastic Comic Fan. Today is episode 9 for November 17th. 2021. And yes, for those of you keeping track, I am a day late. But I think it's worth the wait. This time around, I decided randomly to pick four annuals. And I did it from the Golden Age, a Silver Age, and a Modern Age comic. I hope you enjoyed the picks. Love to hear your comments. You can reach me at fantasticcomicfan, all one word, gmail.com. Now let's get on with this late podcast. Archie Comics began in 1939 and is one of three publishers putting out comics since the Golden Age. The other two, of course, are DC and Marvel. Before becoming Archie Comics, it was called MLJ Publications, named after the founders' first names, Maurice, Lewis, and John. Like most publishers at the time, they put out superhero comics. Some of those Comic book creations have continued through into today in one form or another. For example, the Comet and the Shield appeared in the first issue of Peck Comics back in 1940. Another popular character, the Hangman, made his debut in Peck Comics 17 in 1941. Eventually, a particular redhead and friends would change everything. I wonder how many ever thought to thank Andy Rooney. I know, I know, many of you people don't understand and remember who the Hollywood star Andy Rooney was, who had a multi-decade career starting when he was a teenager. Starting in 1937 and going after 15 films, Andy Rooney played Andy Hardy. From this popular franchise came the inspiration for Archie Andrews. Joe Goldwater, Vic Bloom, and Bob Montana collaborated to create Archibald Archie Andrew who first appeared in 1941 within the Pep Comics issue 22. In 1946, the company changed its name to Archie Comics, and we know the rest of the history. This brings us to Archie Comics Annual Number 1 from 1949. For the Times, at 107 pages, it was a pretty good bargain for a mere 25 cents. As a random pick, this surprised me in a good way. I laughed and thought many of these tales to be clever. Funny how comics were considered or assumed for kids back then. But during World War II, GIs read comics. As far as I could see, comics were read by all age groups back then. As superheroes faded, romance comics were one of the genres that rose to take their place. When the Archie Annual arrived, we were a few years away from the near mass hysteria of Frederick Wortham's dog and pony show that comics were responsible for promoting all sorts of things in regards to children. 
I know I look back at this time and wonder how stupid and gullible everyone from parents to politicians and everyone in between was over the supposed evil of comic books. But as a passionate person about history, I remember that society has always been riddled with faulty logic that makes sense to justify things that doesn't really add up. Okay, I know, you're wondering when I'm going to get off the soapbox, not Stan's, mine, and get back to the review. As it stated at the beginning of this episode, I randomly chose what comics to talk about, in the hope of trying to nudge you to find something different to read. I was 100% surprised with how much I enjoyed this Archie annual. Overall, I do like Archie comics, but this one, it was different. First, it didn't seem dated or out of step. Second, it reminded me of something like those old Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry cartoons. As a kid, you got it and thought it was funny. But as an adult, well, you still laugh, but the humor was about things that went over the kid's head. You know what I mean? I respect how the annual balances the humor between something an older demographic would enjoy while still making it enjoyable for kids. This includes gender, too. As a guy, I thought some of the stories were smartly written. However, I'm sure female readers would find something different to enjoy, or maybe they would even laugh at the same things I did. I realize I haven't talked about any of the stories in the end. Frankly, I don't want to ruin the fun for anyone. Y'all know what you get when you read an Archie comic book. The whole gang's here in this annual. But I think this time around, you might find something unique and unexpected in the annual. I give Archie Comics credit for taking the initiative of archiving their older comics. Also, all of Archie's digital collection is part of Comixology's Unlimited service. But, if you don't subscribe to Unlimited, you can buy a digital copy for a mere $1.99. Either way, it is a bargain, a far funnier read than I thought it would be. As a character, Jason Todd is fast approaching the 40-year mark. His 1983 introduction in Batman issue 357 came out of the fence from Wolfman and Perez's New Teen Titans. Dick Grayson, the original Robin, was allowed to grow up and involve with the Nightwing. For a few years, all was well in the Batverse. But maybe you can blame on what happened next on Crisis. And why not? It was still another Crisis years later which allowed, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. After this first crisis in 1986, fans started not liking Jason much. And part of the reason was writers who wrote Jason as a rebellious, impulsive, and someone that was hard to root for over the long haul. As a result, Batman editor Danny O'Neill, no stranger to Batman, and who wrote some still-revered classic Batman stories, had plans for Jason to either write the character out or do a total revamp. What happened next almost seems impossible today. But even back in 1988, to me, it sounded off the wall, kind of nasty, sadistic. So first, let me pause and consider the creative team behind this event, Jim Starlin and Jim Apparel. Both are tremendous forces, with many considering Apparel one of the, the definitive Batman artists. Starlin, well, over the years, I've grown to appreciate his contribution, both as a writer creator, and artist. Recently, I reread his Death of Captain Marvel graphic novel, which gets better over the years. 
I don't contain any animosity over the death and the family four issue event. While I never liked the story that much, I give it credit for being creatively bold. In it, the Joker is kidnapped and tortured and beat Jason with the crowbar. At the end of Batman 427, the warehouse which, where Jason was basically just blew up. The fate of him was left up to the Jason fans and anti-fans. There were two, literally, 1-900 numbers. One to save Robin and one to let the punk die. Personally, I disagree with killing kids or legacy characters in comic books. I've read comics for many years, and I know that there'll be times my favorite characters become not so beloved. Anyway, the votes came in, very close actually, but not enough to save Jason. And Jason ended up dying. But, if you're a new fan, you should know this fact. Characters usually don't stay dead for long, unless you're Uncle Ben. Jason was resurrected in 2005 and reintegrated into the Batman family under the guise of the Red Hood. There are seemingly countless articles and videos covering everything there is to know about Jason before his death, after his death, under the Red Hood, all that stuff. If you're unfamiliar with the character, you really owe it to yourself to learn more about Jason. He's an essential character in the Batman family. Now this brings us to Batman Annual 25 in 2006. This was a return to annuals for the Batman because there had been a Batman annual release since 1999. Admittedly, bringing Jason back was no easy task. Batman had pulled him from the rubble of the warehouse and buried him. You can't get more dead than that. When the annual came out, Jason had already returned, but so had Infinite Crisis. Remember I half jokingly blamed 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths for Jason's change in character? Well, Infinite Crisis had something to do with his return. So I won't spoil too much on this must-read annual. Some consider the annual among the best of the Batman family stories. Readers who are shocked by the return of Jason find out in the annual exactly how he was able to return from the dead. And yes, he was most definitely dead. But again, you have to read the annual to get all the answers, and I doubt you'll be disappointed. Much to my surprise, over time, I found I have a great love for Silver Age comics. Yes, sometimes they seem corny and juvenile, but others are just as magical now as I was first reading them long ago. Recently, I started rereading the beginning of the Fantastic Four. I cannot count the times I've read those early adventures over and over. Now, I'm sure I've read that first Amazing Spider-Man annual from 1964, probably many times. And the cover has the usual Marvel hyperbole, this one has it all, splashed all across. And sometimes, those comics actually live up to expectations. If you're really lucky, as with this annual, they exceed expectations amazingly so. Back then, to make everything feel connected and part of one superhero community, heroes and supporting characters often made cameo appearances in other titles. You never quite knew who would show up where. Newer fans might be like, so? That happens all the time. Back in the dawn of the Silver Age, it felt extraordinary and not so cliched as more often comics and crossover events do today. Now this annual has all the Silver Age supporting characters. Flash, JJ, Liz, and Betty Brandt. The first Avengers lineup before 
Don't worry, Iron Man left. They make cameos. Then you can add in the X-Men, Doctor Strange, and of course, the Fantastic Four. Concerning the direction of the Spider-Man movie franchise, movie fans, too, might want to check this comic out. See, this is also the first appearance in the original lineup of the Sinister Sticks. Dr. Octopus, Mysterio, Elektra, Vulture, Sandman, and Craven the Hunter. When the good doctor escapes from prison, he rounds up Spidey's greatest foes to form the Six. That wasn't hard, since these hooligans pretty much represented most of Spidey's bad guys. It is a fun read, because these characters were still fresh and weren't wired down countless iterations trying to bring back the magic they once had. Also, let's not forget this amazing story has the Lee and Ditko magic all over it. 42 pages, which at that time was the longest Spidey story. There are excellent splash pages of the individual six as Spidey battles each member. It makes for a great read and sets up the Sinister Six as a recurring thing to the present day. While many characters have joined the Six over the years, like the Hobgoblin, Mirage, Traptor, Grim Reaper, I still prefer the original Six. This annual has 72 pages and no reprints. Rounding out the rest of the annual are a bunch of filler that doesn't quite feel like filler material. First, you have the Gallery of Foes and where they first appeared. Then you get the secrets of Spider-Man, like how his web shooters work, about his costume, and how strong he is, and how that fighter sense really does work. Overall, what great fun, and it is in all ages comics. Even better, you can read this free on Comicology Unlimited and the entire Ditko run of Amazing Spider-Man. Now about the trivia question with Peter and Johnny meeting at the Statue of Liberty. The answer, Strange Tales Annual Number 1 from 1963. It was the lead story on the Trail of the Spider-Man, written by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby providing pencils, and Steve Ditko inks. That's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, a fantastic comic fan, all one word, at gmail.com. Remember now, episodes are every Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.